Good morning. Good to see you all today in the house of the Lord. Hope you're enjoying the good weather in the summertime. We're going through the book of Proverbs and we're studying some passages in the book, but we're also studying some themes or topics in the book. And so last week we looked a little bit at the words of our mouth and the type of speech that we use and how we have to use that to the glory of God. Today we're going to talk a little bit about laziness, slothfulness, procrastination, right? A topic we all love to hear about, right? Um, But uh, we'll also talk a little bit about the opposite of that, which is diligence, responsibility, faithfulness, right? Um, You know, there's actually a national procrastination week. Did you know that? A national procrastination week each year. I looked it up. It's sometime in March, but the dates change every year. Um, Unfortunately, they haven't updated the dates for 2018, so, so I wasn't able to find that out. They were obviously procrastinating to do that. But let's pray before we go and look into the Word of God. Father, we thank you for this time in your presence, and we pray, Lord, that you would speak to us and that you would bless us. And most of all, Lord, help us to be doers of your Word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, There's so many verses in Proverbs that speak about um, procrastination, speak about laziness, that speak about diligence, that speak about faithfulness as well. So, what I've done is I've just sort of grouped them into about four different categories or four different types of um, characteristics, let's say, of lazy people, okay? And so I think what we want to do is look at the Word of God and see, well, do I fall into this category? Do I fall into that category? Do I fall into another category? Or where am I on this spectrum of lazy people? And you might say, well, I'm not a lazy person. Well, I think there's some of this in all of us, right, including myself. So I'm preaching to my, myself first. So the first thing is um, in, uh, in Proverbs that we see is that uh, the first group is people that make excuses and blame others. Have you, have you ever made an excuse for something? Someone's come and told you something. You said, oh, but, right? It started out at the Garden of Eden, right, when God came to Eve and said, You know, did you eat of this fruit? And Eve said, oh, but, right? And so many times in our lives, maybe we're asked to do something, we're told to do something, um, we, we have a certain responsibility, but we make an excuse for that. So Proverbs 22 and verse 13 says, the lazy person claims there is a lion out there. If I go outside, I might be killed, right? That's the excuse, Right? I'm in my house, there's a lion outside, if I go outside I'm going to be killed, so it's better, not for, it's better that I stay inside, I don't want to go outside. And how many times in our lives we make those sort of excuses, right? If it's, in school, if it's at school, if it's at work, if it's coming to church, right? Sometimes even on Sunday coming to church, oh it's raining, I'm not going to go today. Uh, it's too hot, let me stay at home. It's too cold, I don't want to go outside, right? The sanctuary is too hot, right? The sanctuary is too cold, the pastor is preaching for too long. The pastor's preaching too short. You never hear that one, right? <laughs> so, like, all of these different excuses, right, that we, that we make um, in order not to fulfill our responsibility or we're just lazy in that sense. Sometimes when God calls us to do something, we don't want to do that because we tell ourselves that we're not smart enough, we're not talented enough, we don't know enough, maybe we don't have enough money, we don't have this, we don't have that, and we continue to make excuses. There's a lion outside, It's better that I stay inside. There's a trial that's there, so I don't even want to challenge that. 
There's an obstacle in my way, so I don't even want to get close to it. Because I don't want to face that challenge. Some time ago, we shared about serving and how we all should be involved in some type of service. We're starting Alpha in the fall. And I just want to put that out there again. We're starting Alpha in September, and we need help in so many different ways. And so if you'd like to help us, please let myself or Lorraine know, and we'd love to get you connected into Alpha, and, um, and, and we need people. So the question is, there's a lion out there. There's a problem out there. There's a difficulty out there. There's a hindrance there. Are you just going to stay inside? Or are you going to take the challenge? Are you going to say, that lion, he's no match for me because the Lord is on my side. Proverbs 14 says, all hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. Sometimes we're just all talk. We just say this and we say that, but we don't actually do anything. There's a lot of talk, but no action. The Lord wants us to work hard and to be diligent in everything that we do. If there's something worth doing, then it's worth facing a trial for. It's worth facing some setbacks. It's worth facing the difficulty. Everything in life is not going to be easy. There will be challenges. There will be difficulties. There will be a lion in the way. But it doesn't mean that we make an excuse, right? Proverbs 20 verse 4 says, Those too lazy to plow in the right season will have no food as a harvest. So if we don't know the season we're in, if we're not doing what God wants us to do in the right time, then in the future, we won't reap the benefits of that. These are people that don't understand the times and seasons and take advantage of it. They live for the moment, but don't understand the future. We have to know the plans and purposes of God in our life, what God is calling us to, what God is looking for in our lives. There's a guy, his name is James Robertson. I saw this story, and it, was, it happened actually a couple of years ago, and uh, this is actually in Detroit, and in 2005, his car stopped working on him, so he started to take public transport to work, and then little by little in Detroit, they started to cut off some of his routes, so finally at the end, he ended up walking to his work and back 21 miles, right? Now, this guy didn't make an excuse, there's a line in the way. And if you've ever lived in Detroit, I've lived in Detroit before. It gets cold there, right? It's not an easy city to live in, right? So imagine going back and forth to work, 21 miles, round trip. He didn't make any excuses. He didn't say that there was a line in the way, but he was diligent because he wanted to be at work and accomplish what he had to do, right? And this, this story became, came in the news, and, and they started a GoFundMe account, and in a matter of, I think, a couple of days, they raised about $80,000 for him to buy a car, Right? And, uh, but he was diligent. He was diligent. Number two, they are sloppy and, and wasteful, which leads to poverty. Lazy people are sloppy, they're wasteful, and it leads to poverty in their lives. Proverbs 24 and verse 30 to 34, it says, I went past the field of a sluggard, or the lazy person, past the vineyard of someone who had no sense, Thorns had come up everywhere. The ground was covered with weeds, and the stone wall was in ruins. I applied my heart to what I observed and learned a lesson from what I saw. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a thief, and scarcity like an armed man. See, 
You, they, he went to the field of the sluggard and he found that it was all grown over. You know what happens if you don't take care of a place? It'll all be grown over. If you don't take care of your garden, if you don't take care of your house, things will, you know, just become a mess, right? It's the law of entropy. It just, everything tends to go towards a state of disorder, right? And so if we're not careful, if we're not people that are diligent, if we're not people that are, are watchful to take care of the things that God has entrusted into our hands, things will just be covered over with weeds. A little, sli- a little sleep, a little slumber. Uh, let me just rest a little bit more. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. I want to be lazy today, right? But then things come to ruin. Proverbs 18, verse says, uh, 18 says, a lazy person is as bad as a person who destroys things. Right? So if you take a person that just destroys things and breaks things, right? maybe you know somebody like that. They're a klutz. They just break things all the time. Right? But a lazy person is as bad as that person because they're not diligent. They don't take care of all these things and things come to ruin. Right? Things are not properly kept. Eventually, it will get ruined. Right? Maybe there's something to fix in the house and it's not properly attended to. Right? Say, ah, this is the most famous thing. I'll do it tomorrow. That's the procrastinator, right? I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it next week, right? I'll do it next month, right? Ecclesiastes says, laziness leads to a sagging roof. Idleness leads to a leaky house. Do you have a leaky house, right? Do you have a sagging roof, right? If we didn't maintain the roof of of this church, then what would happen, right? Some time ago, you all know there was that big storm that came and there's so much wind and you probably lost some shingles on your, on your roof, right? We lost some shingles here. But if we just left that and didn't do anything about it, then it's only going to get worse. But you have to maintain that. So we can't be lazy in the things that God has put into our hands to do. A daughter was asked, what was the biggest problem fathers have with their kids? And she said that there were too many tomorrows. That was her response. What's the biggest problem that, that kids have with their parents? Too many? Tomorrows. Let's go out and play. Ah, tomorrow. Let's go and do this. Ah, tomorrow. Let's do that. Ah, tomorrow. Right? Lazy people are soon poor. Hard workers get rich. Right? Hard workers get rich. In chapter 13, it says, The soul of a lazy man desires and has nothing. But the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. Do we put off stuff for tomorrow? Are we just lazy? Oh, I can't do it today. You know? Are we sloppy? Are we wasteful? Well, it will lead to poverty. The soul of the lazy man desires, but what does he have? Nothing. Zero. Poverty. Right? In the, in, in the American Revolution, there was a story of a colonel, uh, Rahal, and uh, he was... Um, a commander of the British troops in Trenton, New Jersey. And uh, he was playing cards one evening when a courier came and brought him a message to say that General George Washington was crossing the Delaware River. It was around December 25th, right? So he got this little note, and you know what he did? He just put it in his pocket. He didn't read it, didn't look at it. It's too lazy. And then what happened? Well, General George Washington came across the river, And they ended up losing that battle, and the rest, as they say, is history. Because one guy was too lazy to read the little note that he got, warning him in advance, right, 
of this, of this attack. So are we lazy? Are we people that are, are sloppy? Are we wasteful? It will lead to poverty, right? Number three, they're full of good desires, but unwilling to work. Full of good desires, but unwilling to work, right? Have you ever felt like that? Like, yeah, I want to do this. I want to do that. You have all these great ideas, all these great desires, but nothing actually is worked out. Nothing actually is done, right? We have so many good intentions, but nothing is actually taken to a practical step, right? Proverbs 21 and verse 25 says, despite their desires, the lazy will come to ruin for their hands refuse to work, right? Despite their desires, they have all these good desires, but their hands refuse to work. Their hands refuse to do something. Dear uh, people of God, dear friends, God is calling us into so many different things to work for him, to labor for him, whether it's in our schools or in our workplace, in the church, wherever we find ourselves, there is something that God has for us to do. The question is, are we willing to do it? We might have so many good desires. Oh, I want to do this for the Lord. Oh, I want to do that for the Lord. I want to commit to this thing. I want to commit to that thing. But do we actually do it? Jesus told a parable of of two sons. And the father came and told one son, go and work in the field. And he said, I'm going to go. But he didn't go. Another son said, I'm not going to go. But finally he ended up going. And Jesus asked the question, who did the will of his father? The answer, the one who said, I'm not going. But finally, he actually went and did what his father wanted him to do. The Lord is looking for that action. Not so much for just what our words are going to say. Right? Lazy people, they're lethargic in everything. They allow good opportunities in life to slip by. Has that ever happened to us? That a good opportunity has come our way, but we're lazy, we don't take action, and then somebody else takes advantage of that. And then we look back and say, oh, I missed such a good opportunity, right? Maybe that's happened to us. And because we've been lethargic, maybe because we've procrastinated, oh, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it, time comes by, we miss the opportunity, and then we're regretting afterwards, why didn't I take advantage of that opportunity when I had the time to do it? Chapter 26 and verse 15 of Proverbs says, lazy people take food to their hand, but don't even lift it up to their mouth. That's an interesting proverb there. You take it, it's like like we were at a barbecue yesterday and uh, for our Peru group, right? Remember, not this Wednesday, but the following Wednesday. Hopefully we'll see all of you all at our Peru worship night, okay? But lazy people, what will they do? They'll serve all the food. They'll take that hamburger in their hand and then it just sits there. It's like, oh, it's too much work to go from here to here, right? That's what this proverb is saying. Lazy people take food to their hand, but don't even lift lift it to their mouth. Another one that's similar says, lazy people don't even cook the game they catch or cook the animals they caught, but the diligent make use of everything they find. So what group are we in? Are we in the group of the diligent or are we in the group of the, the lazy, Right? They don't even cook what they've caught. It's like, it's like half-done jobs. We may have so many good intentions to do something, but we don't act on it. Maybe there's a step in our spiritual life, for example, baptism. We had a baptism recently. Maybe there's a step in our spiritual life that God is looking for us to take, and we haven't taken that yet. Yes, I've given my heart to the Lord. I've accepted him, accepted him as my Savior, but I haven't taken that step of baptism. Then maybe we're like the lazy guy with the hand, 
hand in the, uh, the hamburger in the hand, right? I took that step, but I haven't taken this step. Or maybe there's something else in our life that God is asking us to do. Maybe to join a life group. Maybe to help in some type of service area. Maybe it's to surrender to God in some area in our life. Maybe there's something God is speaking to us and we're resisting and we're pushing back on it. We're saying, no, Lord, I can't surrender this area. I can't do this thing you're asking me to do. I don't want to live for you in this way. And God is asking us to do that. He's put that burden on our heart, but we haven't surrendered to him. And maybe you're here, dear friend, and you, you don't know Jesus as your Savior. Maybe you've heard about him. Maybe you've experienced him in the past. But you're just keeping a distance from him right now. And you're saying, no, I, I don't want to take that step. Don't wait too long. Because God is calling. His love is here. He's here with open arms. And he wants to welcome us into his family. Take that step. To know Jesus. Maybe it's, maybe it's a decision to maybe spend some time with your kids, with friends or family. Maybe it's a decision to forgive someone that you have some bitterness with. Maybe it's to reconcile with somebody that you, that's very distant from you. Maybe it's to make that telephone call to somebody that you haven't talked to in a long time and you know you need to do that. Maybe it's to uh, share your faith with one of your friends or coworkers. Maybe it's to go on a mission trip somewhere. Maybe after you heard Derek's testimony to, or his little farewell greeting today and he shared here many times before and you've seen what their family's doing and maybe you feel that tug on your heart as well. I need to do something like that. But maybe you're just resisting to that. Are we like these lazy people that don't respond to the call? What is the thing that God has placed on your heart that you haven't done yet? Proverbs 10, verse 26 says, Lazy people irritate their employers, like vinegar to the teeth or smoke to the eyes. Are you Okay, so if you're the boss, do you have employees that are like that? Or if you're an employee, are you thinking, does my boss think like that about me? Am I just irritating to them? Right? Like vinegar to the teeth or smoke to the eyes? That's what lazy people are like. Right? They all, uh, uh, another aspect of lazy people in, in chapter 26 says, lazy people consider themselves smarter than seven wise counselors. You know, lazy people, they always have a bright idea, right? You tell them to do one thing. Oh, no, 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 I can do it this way. Why? Because this way is shorter, it's quicker, it's less work, right? Have you ever experienced that? I have a bright idea. So lazy people consider themselves smarter than seven wise counselors. Tell me to do something, I'll find you seven other ways that are way better, Right? And I can sleep in as well. Right? Consider ourselves first. Do we do that? Are we like those people? Like someone will tell us to do something. Can you do this, please? Yeah, I can do it, but let me do it like this. Let me do it like that. Right? And we make so many other ideas. There's a guy, his name is James. This guy's name is James. I know I'm pronouncing his last name wrong. Uh, Aaron Tawai. He was raised in western Uganda. By the age of 10, he had lost his whole family. Um, His three sisters died because of measles. His mom died because of cancer. His dad died because of AIDS. And his brother died because of a complication of malaria. And he was the only survivor. He went to live with his grandmother. And um, he had a a desire. He had an ambition that seemed impractical at the time. And that was that he wanted to graduate from high school. And at that time and stage in his life, it was impractical. Uh, He needed $130 per quarter 
for tuition, which his grandmother didn't have. And, uh, but that didn't stop James. He was diligent, right? He wasn't one of those people that say, I have this amazing desire and just sat back and did nothing. He had this amazing desire and he went out to try to fulfill it. And so at the age of 11, right, he, uh, with the help of his grandmother, what they actually did, they, they devised this plan where they would take one of the goats that they had and they sold it and they got enough money for him to go on a bus 300 miles towards the, the capital city to meet the president, right? Because he heard that if he could actually get in contact with the president, he might be able to get a scholarship so that he could study in high school. And so they sold this goat and they bought, and the grandmother bought uh, the ticket and along that bought some clothes and, a, and some shoes because he said, if you're going to meet the president, you got to be dressed well to do that. Finally, he got there, 300 mile journey, this, this young 11 year old boy got there and he wasn't able to see the president. But finally, after three months, he got to meet the wife of the president. And she ended up sending him to a school in Kampala. And today, um, the story that I read is a couple years old, but he's probably around 35 years old now. And he has two master's degrees and a great job. He co-founded a company called Teach for Uganda, which recruits university graduates and young professionals to help, ed- uh, to help uh, uh, eliminate educational inequality. And he's also helped design Uganda's largest youth scholarship program. He had a desire. He had an ambition, which seemed really unrealistic given his uh, family situation and his circumstance. For us, when we think, oh, a high school education, well, that's a norm for us here. But for him, it wasn't. And so he set his ambitions really high. And he was able to accomplish that because he wasn't lazy, right? Number four. This thing in, in, in Proverbs you hear all over, right? People that love sleep more than anything. Now, don't raise your hands, but how many of you this morning, you got up, right? And it was like 9 o'clock and said, oh, I, better, I wish I could sleep a little bit more, but I got to get to church today, right? I can see some smiles, right? You know, laziness happens gradually, and it happens to us when we start making these small little decisions in life that affect larger things. And those small little decisions are titled the snooze button, right? How many, I'm guilty of the snooze button as well, but how many of us are guilty with that snooze button, right? I don't know who invented that snooze button, but that snooze button really does a lot of damage, right? Proverbs 6, it says, but you lazy bones, how long will you sleep? When will you wake up? A little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, then poverty will pounce on you like a bandit and scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. Chapter 20 says, if you love sleep, you will end in poverty. Keep your eyes open and there will be plenty to eat. Right? Sleep is one of these things that can ruin us. Now, we need to get proper sleep. I'm not saying don't sleep. We have to get proper amount of sleep, good sleep and everything. But I think you know what I'm referring to is this, this aspect of sleep that makes us sleep a lot and we don't become productive in what God has called us to do. I like this verse in chapter 26. It says, as a door swings back and forth on its hinges, so the lazy person turns over in bed, right? I like to picture a little, a door that's like creaking. You know, one of those doors you haven't oiled it or something and it creaks, like you open it. That's the lazy person. It's flipping over in their bed, right? So 
The Proverbs is giving us all this wisdom. Oftentimes when we get discouraged or we face trials or difficulties is when we actually want to sleep more. Have you ever noticed that? A problem comes, ah, let me sleep, right? You know, there's that saying, you have to make a decision, let me sleep on it. Sometimes that sleep on it is a little bit too long sleeping on it, right? But when a difficulty, when a problem comes our way, when there's a challenge, right? Don't be discouraged, but face it head on. Okay, to close. Now, there's, there's, I just grouped it into four things. I want to tell you four principles or lessons that we can learn to help us overcome. Because we're all in this group. We all have this, this problem. There's all, all of us have an aspect or a, a part of our lives that we're just lazy. We need to overcome, right? So number one, learn the principle of diligence, right? Learn the principle of diligence. And to learn this principle of diligence, the Bible directs us to the ant of all creatures that God has created, the Bible directs us to the ant. And that's the title of the message today. Go to the ant. Why? Because the ant can teach us something, right? The ant can teach us about discipline. Sometimes in the very mundane things of life, if we're disciplined in those mundane things of life, whether it's our Bible reading, whether it's prayer, whether it's getting up at a certain time, whether it's going to work, whether it's uh, eating properly, whether it's exercising, whatever it might be, when there's certain things that become a rhythm in our life and, and it might seem just like a mundane thing or a normal thing, but as we're diligent to do, to do those things, it'll greatly benefit our lives. Proverbs 6, it says, take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. Learn from their ways and become wise. Though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work, they labor hard all summer, gathering food for the winter. See what the ants are doing. They don't have a governor over them. They don't have anyone telling them do this and do that and do the other thing, but they're very diligent, right? They're very diligent. And they make sure that they gather their food all summer long so that they're ready for the winter time. Are we like the ants? Are we people that are diligent like the ant is diligent? Romans 12 says, never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Regardless of what obstacles and problems come our way, if there's a lion out there, still, let's be diligent. If there's a trial we're facing, if there's an obstacle, if it's something worthwhile, if it's something good, if there's a, something to accomplish, if there's something that we can do for the Lord, dear people of God, dear friends, it's going to be difficult. There will be problems. There will be failures along the way. But if it's worth it, if there's, if there's a result that you're looking for, if there's a, a goal that you're trying to get, if there's something you're trying to accomplish, then the hardship will be worth it. Right? It's not going to just be a piece of cake. I think of, I think of Abraham Lincoln, who's considered one of the greatest presidents of the United States. You know, he went through so many failures. In 1832, he was defeated in a run for the Illinois state legislature. In 1833, he failed in a business venture that he was trying. In 1838, he was defeated in a run for the Illinois House Speaker. In 1843, he was defeated in his run for the nomination of U.S. Congress. In 1854, he was defeated in his run for the U.S. Senate. In 1856, he was defeated in his run for the nomination for the vice presidency. In 1858, he was defeated again when he was running for the U.S. Senate. And finally, in 1860, he was elected president of the United States. 
Now, I don't know, if it was one of us, what would we have done? Ah, there's a lion in the street. He's always making me fail. I'm giving up. Is that what happens to us? At the, at the moment of, of conflict, at the moment of hardship, at the moment of difficulty, do we say, forget it, I can't do this anymore, I'm giving up? Or are we like the diligent people that realize what God has for us, that realize what the will of God is and we seek to do it? His diligence and his perseverance paid off. Number two, learn the discipline of rising early. Now, let me just say first off, we all have different schedules. Some of us work at different times and sometimes you work in the nights and different things like that. So I'm not, there, there might be some differences in that. But generally speaking, the Bible encourages us to rise early as long as your work schedule doesn't conflict with that. But to, to rise early, to start the day off early. And as you do that, you'll see your life being more disciplined, more orderly, more productive as well. Mark 1 talks about Jesus. It says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Early in the morning, that happened. Benjamin Franklin said, early to bed, early to rise, makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise. Right? Now, he was one of these um, self-control or productivity gurus, right, at that time. But if you fast forward to today, there's so many people that speak about the benefits of rising early, where studies have shown that um, morning people are more proactive, they get better grades, um, they actually sleep better, they actually feel happier. Um, and some of the most powerful CEOs in the world are actually early, early risers, like 5 a.m., 6 a.m., sometimes even before that, even before 4 a.m. Tim Cook, the CEO of Apple, gets up at 3.45 in the morning, starts his day early, right? But the Bible encourages us to get up early and seek the Lord, right? Don't be like a sleeper. Get up early, seek the Lord. Start off your day in the right way. And as we do that, you'll see as we give the Lord the first of our day, the Lord can bless the rest of our day as well, right? So in a spiritual sense as well, sometimes we need to wake up. In a spiritual sense, we can be slumbering. In a spiritual sense, maybe our eyes are closed and we're not living in the reality of the spiritual world that we're, that, that, that's in front of us today. Ephesians exhorts us. Paul exhorts us in Ephesians and it says, this is why I said, wake up sleeper, rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. The series on Proverbs is about wisdom, making most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. So Paul is encouraging the church there and he's saying, rise up, wake up from this spiritual slumber and Christ will give us light. And sometimes we might be in this type of spiritual slumber and we're not willing to get up out of that. We're like that person in his bed that creaks and just turns over. We might hear a message. We might read something in the Bible. We might hear something and God is calling out to us. Wake up. Realize the days are short. God is calling us to do something. And we're like the person that just turns over in our sleep. Are we like that? Number three, learn the importance of time. Learn the importance of time. Time is limited. Death is certain. 
Jesus will return, right? We're all given a certain amount of time. Psalm 90 verse 12 says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Do we want to be wise? Do we want to have wisdom? Then teach us to to number our days, right? Some years ago, in another church that I was in, there was a a young man there, and I had known him for for some years, and he was pretty close to me as well. And uh, he had stopped coming to church, and he had just gone away from the things of the Lord. And one day I heard that he was in an accident, a car accident. And so I heard about that, so I gave him a call, and I said, hey, I I heard you're in an accident, and he's like, yeah, and he explained to me the whole thing, and he was all drugged up because he was on all these painkillers and everything. I was like, hey, can I come over and and see you and pray with you? And he's like, no, not right now. I just, I I can't, you know? And I just kept talking to him on the phone. Then by the end of the conversation, before we were ready to hang up, he said, okay, just come over then, you know? So then I went over to his house, and I started to talk to him, and I was pleading with him, and I was asking him, and I said, Look, you've gone away from the Lord. God, this, this accident that happened, you could have died. You could have died. Don't waste this opportunity. God is calling you to come back to him. And he heard me, and we talked about a few different things, and I pleaded with him, and I asked him, I said, please, you know, God is calling you, come back. Maybe this is the way that God is allowing you to just to wake up to realize your, your situation, to realize what's, what's happening. You see these ways that you've, you've gone away from the ways of God. And he's like, I'm just not ready. I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm not ready. Maybe another time. And so I just prayed with him and I left. About a month later, I got another call. Same boy, another accident, but he died instantly. And my heart just sank. And I realized God gave him an opportunity God gave him a chance. And I hope that in that span of one month that he had reconciled with the Lord, I don't know. But the word of God says, teach us to number our days. Tomorrow is not promised to us. So make use of the day that God has given to us. Time is, is unrecoverable. Time is entrusted into our, into our hands to work and fulfill God's will and purposes in our lives. John 9 And verse 4 says, as long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Jesus was saying this to the people. He said, as long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. So understand the time and the season that we're living in. The last thing, number four, and the singers and musicians can come up. The last thing is learn from the faithfulness of Christ. He's our best example, right? And so learn from his faithfulness. Hebrews chapter 3 verses 1 and 2 says, think carefully about this Jesus, whom we declare to be God's messenger and high priest. For he was faithful to God who appointed him, just as Moses served faithfully when he was entrusted with God's entire house. You know, God has entrusted into our hands a work, an opportunity, a privilege. And maybe you don't know Jesus as your savior today. He's calling you to come to him today. Maybe you knew him some time ago and maybe you've left. Just like I shared about this boy. I want to encourage you today to come back to him because he is faithful. Learn from his faithfulness and he is able to work in our lives. You know, some of the greatest people in the Bible, they were faithful in little things and then God gave them something more. 
And in our lives as well, God will entrust into our hands maybe something little so that he can give to us something more. There's no time to go through the stories in the, in the Bible that, of people that experience that. But there are so many in that way. 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 2 says, Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. God is looking to our lives to see whether we can prove ourselves to be faithful, to be diligent, to be responsible with what God has entrusted into our hands. And this last verse in Hebrews 10 and verse 23 says, Let's hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. We're going to sing this song, Great is Thy Faithfulness. I know it's a song that we all know, an old song that we love. And I just, as we sing this, I just want you to think about God's faithfulness in your life. I want you to think of situations that have happened in your life in the past that maybe you've gone through trials, maybe you've gone through difficulties, maybe there was a lion in your way, but you've seen the faithfulness of God. You've seen the provision of God. You've seen the hand of God. You've seen the blessing of God. And as we sing, reflect on God's great faithfulness and let us be inspired also to live faithful lives. Diligent lives, responsible lives. In Lamentations, we know that verse, because the Lord's love is great, we are not consumed. His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness. God's faithfulness is great. And he's looking for us to live faithful, diligent, and productive lives for the kingdom of God. Let's sing to the Lord.